Man, the Kings jump up the Western Conference standings. The Mavs are falling. But should Mark Cuban finally get Lucas some help? And Stan Van Gundy spits some facts. I'm Rosa Panda. This is a Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Feeling good. Feeling great. How are you and you? Man, I'm doing good. Sammy, how you living, my friend? Cannot complain, my friend. Good to be here as always. Boys, we have some news to talk about here. Last night, or if you're listening to this, it's I guess it's two get two days ago now. The Kings had defeated the Lakers 116 to 112, and they take the number three seed in the West. And I wanted to ask you guys: Are the Kings for real here? I think we gotta light that beam at this point, don't we? Oh, light it up. <laughs> light it up. This isn't a small sample size anymore. We're 43 games in in their case, more than half the year. I mean, this team can play together. Fox has been great, Sabonis has been great, and they're the three seed. It's not like they're sneaking in. Right. That that arena is legitimately loud every night. I think that that's a very real team. I don't know if they're legitimately a title contender, but they're definitely in the upper echelon of the West. I'll say that. JJ, what do you think? Sammy, they're pretty legit in terms of offense. They're only behind the Celtics and Nuggets, which is saying a lot. And those are pretty much the title contenders, I would have to say. Right. My main concern is that their defensive rating is not really good. They're currently sitting at 24th out of all the teams for the defensive rating. And the clinic, we've always preached that defense wins games. Defense wins championships. But Mike Brown, man, you know, he's a defensive guru. He changed that Warriors defense last year and made them top two, top three defensive team, especially in the playoffs. I'm really curious to see after this season how that Kings defense will propel and maybe become title contenders next year. Is that too crazy to say? No, I don't think that's crazy at all. Um, that's the only thing that gives me like pretender vibes is their defense where I'm not like considering them an actual true title contender. But I will say that they still have some moves to make. Like they could come up with a trade to get a like a more legitimate defender. I think their weakest point is probably on the perimeter. So if they could get a perimeter defender alongside, you know, the offensive firepower that is DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox, I think they could be kind of a fun team to watch in the playoffs. The one thing I do want to mention, though, that's incredible, is that they have one of the best records or probably or they're tied for the best record in the Western Conference on the road with the Grizzlies. And I wanted to ask you guys, which road record do you believe more, the Grizzlies or the Kings? Oh, do I have to pick between these two teams? <laughs> it's insane, Sammy and Jun, that these are the best road teams and they're barely 500 on the road, which is saying a lot because championship caliber teams, they, they're supposed to beat the bad teams on the road, but 500, you could see some bad losses on each and every single Western team. It's hard for me to argue against the Grizzlies because we've seen them in the postseason and challenge title contenders. But I got to give props to the Kings because 
who would have thought that they're sitting in third place in the Western Conference, Sammy? Right, and oh I mean, God. over 500 on the road is over 500 on the road. You do have to give them some credit for that. Um, it is interesting that if you look out east, and I know we were just talking about these two teams, but if you look out east, Boston 16 and 7 away from home, Philly's 12 and 9, Brooklyn's 14 and 9, even the Knicks are 14 and 8. So it's interesting that out east you have a much better uh, road slate, I guess you would say, for some of these teams. The only thing I'll say, I give more credence to Memphis' road record for now is because I look at I looked at Sacramento's and of their eleven road wins, one is above a team of a team over five hundred. The rest Ooh. are all under five hundred teams, and yes, that includes my Los Angeles Clippers for now because they are officially under five hundred. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that's the only thing. So, yeah, when they've played good teams on the road, they haven't been able to pull them out just yet. But as they grow, maybe we'll see if that changes. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm I'm gonna take it to our next topic here. Dallas, the Dav- the Dallas Mavericks have fall fallen over the last six games. They are one and five with a recent loss to the Hawks, and it looks like there's some buzz here. It looks like Tim McMahone was saying that sources said Doncic, who hasn't shown a desire to be involved in personnel matters in the past, has strongly indicated he wants the Mavs to upgrade before February 9th trade deadline. And apparently he wants more say in like the roster construction of this team. What do you think about Luka Doncic um, kind of taking the LeBron route here? I mean, you gotta ask your best players what they think, but decision making should be provide or should be responsible. The, the people who should be responsible is the front office, Sammy. And you even said this before the pod that we've seen many superstars have a strong say with what players could come in and which one should leave and usually i'm gonna say like nine out of ten times it's not a good um result so agreed you gotta you gotta think that luca should definitely have an influence and have um have some say but not the overall decision making I agree. And we've seen over and over when we've heard about players who are too involved, who have too much influence, it typically doesn't go well because players are very likely because of the fact that they're on court to see things in a specific scope, whereas a good general manager is going to understand the on-court product a little better. And so... Do I think they should run things by him? Absolutely. I think you got to take care of your best players and give them ideas about what you're planning on doing. But at the same time, you have to do it in a way where they understand it's still your call and you're just looking for their input because you want to let them know that this is what you see as the general manager and how it'll benefit them. And I think of specific teams going even across different sports, but like you notice the Warriors this whole time, we've never heard about Steph being really involved in the actual process of making these decisions. We know they discuss KD with him. We know that he's involved in that way, but they don't actually give him the keys. You know, and then going across sports, uh, all the years that the Pats and Brady were successful, we never heard about Brady having a hand in those decisions either. So I do think it's a very fine line. I definitely think you should talk to your star, but anything about him demanding or discussing specific changes, it's just not gonna be a good road. It's not gonna go 
in a, in a way where it's going to benefit them in the end. So I'm definitely not on board with it if it's even remotely close to being true, which Mark Cuban is saying it's not, but that's what he's supposed to say. <laughs> I kind of understand where Luke is coming from here. Where like he's kind of getting frustrated. I mean, he's looking around and he's like, okay, I have Spencer Dinwiddie here. I have Finney Smith over here. I've got Christian Wood. Like, <laughs> like where is this man's help? Like, I would be frustrated too, and I would want, like, kind of more input during the trade deadline, and I think that's what he's kind of looking for here. And, you know, we've we've heard, like, the rumor mill a little bit um, over the past couple of weeks. We've heard, like, Bradley Beal, maybe Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, wanting trades, D'Angelo Russell, OG Ananobi. And I want to ask you guys, out of the people we've heard rumors about, who would you want to pair up with Luca or would hope that Luca would want to try to go after? Well, uh, I've mentioned him a couple times related to the Mavs. I don't know if they can get him, but I feel like Bradley Beal makes so much sense there. With Ooh, Luka. Okay. I love the yeah! fit. I love the fact that Beal doesn't necessarily need to dominate the ball. He'll be able to play off of it. He does give Luka a reliable 25, 30 point per game second score. And I think Beal is more suited to be a number two. I love the fit. I just don't think they have the assets to get him. So on, uh, I guess, a more attainable kind of player, just thinking about who's out there, I might lean honestly toward Clarkson, who I don't think is a fit for every team, but for what the Mavericks are lacking right now, which is a guy who can handle the ball and create his own offense, I actually think he makes sense there. And he's obviously not gonna cost as much as Beal. Based on uh, the sound effects I heard, I take it, JJ, you disagree with my Jordan Clarkson assessment. <laughs> let's, let's, let's hear it. Jordan Clarkson, he's a good six-man, Sammy. Mm -hmm. I, wouldn't, I don't know if he would be a good starter or closer, but Jordan Clarkson has proved us wrong with some of his shot-making abilities and how he could contribute on the team. Um... I don't really disagree with you on that one. I think that's actually a realistic pickup. So good take on that, Sammy. D'Angelo Russell is intriguing, even though the last pod we kind of bashed on him, especially <laughs> me. Um, I've seen the good, but obviously experienced the bad while he was with the Warriors for a little bit. I don't like what, he's, what I'm seeing. With uh, Minnesota, within this list, DeRozan and Levine, those are probably the best players to match with Luka in terms of what's been mentioned in the rumors. But it's hard to match Luka because he's so ball dominant and his skill set is just so unique to what he does. It's just like LeBron when he was with the Cavs for his first stint. LeBron tried to be pass first and he just didn't have the right roster around him and right. even took a while even with Dwayne Wade and Chris Boston it took him a while to develop chemistry with two superstars so I don't know guys like that's my take because Luca and LeBron I know it's blasphemous that they have comparable games when you say that but to me they do have comparable games and it I just don't know who would exactly match well with him right now. But Bradley Beal for sure is something that I need to alleviate scoring pressure. But like what Sam was saying, Jordan Clarkson's 
probably the more realistic pickup out of the listed names here. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I think it's the other side of the ball that needs help more oh, yeah. than the offensive side of the ball. And for me, I I think pairing Luka Doncic with like OG Adenobi, I don't know what you would have to give up to get OG because it sounds like the Raptors really think of him highly and think that he should garner like a boatload of picks. But I think he pairs well with Luka, especially the fact that he's going to be able to like lock down the other side of the ball and he's a decent three-point shooter. He's shooting, let's see, 37% for his career. And that's not bad. Mm -hmm. So I think OG would fit perfectly. Now, I don't know if the Mavs would be willing to give a lot of picks. I don't know um, what their pick status is, but that's where I want to go. Um, but to move on with the Cavs or with the Mavs here, it sounds like Coach Kidd was talking about exactly what I was saying saying that it's not just the offensive end tonight we gave up 130 points and a team shot 57 percent it's a shoot around in this league do that no matter what you have luca kareem or lebron you're going to lose it doesn't matter how many points you score you're always going to be short what do you guys think about what jay kid said here well he's not lying the Dallas Mavs, their defensive ranking in terms of like their rating, defensive rating, they're 25th out of the 30 teams when last year mm. they're easily top five. Yeah. And the reason that they went, I know people are going to say, of course, Luca's the MVP candidate. He's the reason that they made it far. But if we're going to talk about basketball as a team sport, you can't go far without your defense. So they really yeah. need to improve on that. And Jason Kidd has had that history of calling out his players, even Giannis when he was with the Bucks. Mm -hmm. Some some star players may not like it, but I think Jay Kidd is intelligent enough to know what pushes his players' buttons. And this might be a wake-up call for all his players to, hey, start playing defense. It's already the mid uh, mark of the season. And before you know it, we could be potentially out of the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, they've been missing some of their better perimeter defenders, and I'll give them that. But 130 points is out of control. Yeah. And I think based on how they're playing, clearly something's off. And I I don't fault I don't fault Jake on this. And so I, I think something clearly needs to change with that team. I I do agree with you both. I think it needs to start on this end. The other yeah. respond to this. Um, if they come out next game and give up 125, then we know it helped maybe five points, but <laughs> hopefully it does a little more. I'm just Good job, about coach. That. Good <laughs> well job, done. coach. I feel like I feel like it was necessary for Coach Kid to come out like that and say that and call out his players, especially like like you said, Sammy, 130 points. That's crazy. But we're gonna take it to our next topic here. Stan Van Gundy. He had a tweet. He said 90s NBA teams had just a trainer and a strength coach. They practiced more often and harder and played more back-to-backs. Teams now have huge medical and performance staffs and value rest over practice, yet injuries and games miss are way up. Something's not working, exclamation point. And Katie replied, Stan spitting facts. 
And I want to ask you guys, Dan Van Gundy, what do you guys think of what he said? Excuse me. Well, uh, my favorite part was that he was confused that Katie was agreeing with him. Uh, <laughs> that was by far the best part of this for me. Uh, for those you of you who didn't really see the entire Katie exchange. really was disagreeing. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who didn't see the rest of this exchange, Stan replied to Katie basically getting a little defensive. And then KD had to reply back and really simplify and basically say, Stan, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> and someone had to explain to Stan what spitting means. And Stan's response to that was, and I quote, had no idea. But anyway, so that's the backstory. <laughs> um, it, it's a weird fact, and he's right about it, that it maybe it's partially nostalgia, because I know we're all kind of 90s. Uh, aficionados in a sense, but oh yeah, it felt like players were injured less. And maybe it's not that. Maybe what's going on is teams have gotten so cautious because of analytics, because of the extra information they do have, that they're more inclined to hold players out when maybe in the past they either didn't know significance of some of the injuries or teams just didn't realize long-term effect and players would play more hurt because it doesn't feel like injuries should be up based on the technology we have now so you guys tell me does that theory make sense or do you think i'm missing something here because it doesn't add up to me well i think sammy that we're just in an age where the athletes are taking care of their bodies even more right mm -hmm. like we read about um Carlos Oakley, Dennis Rodman, even Artes later that, you know, during halftime, they could take shots of Henny, right? <laughs> and then play the rest of the game. <laughs> AI could go out all night and then come to practice. And then we know still... about Michael Jordan's habits in the evenings. Yeah, Michael yeah. Jordan, like the, for those that watched the Dream Team doc, it was well documented that this legend gambled and drank till the early morning, played golf and then practiced, then played a game right yeah what i think is happening now is that these athletes they're faster they're stronger and if we're going through the simple laws of well not simple but the laws of physics it's mass times acceleration equals force and mm -hmm. your body and other people's bodies when with contact it's just that much more gnarlier like i know like what you said, we're 90s like uh, advocates, 90s uh, purists, but LeBron, this dude is what, like 250, 6'8", but he's as fast as the point guards from the 90s. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different element. Like even Steph, if you read about Steph and how he works out, we always talk how he's the most conditioned athlete. But for those that follow the Warriors, you would also know that Steph is the top two athletes on the team that could deadlift and just see how he is now he has more muscle mass like these players aren't like back in the day where like hey no disrespect but like you think mark price has the same body composition as steph curry i don't think so <laughs> yeah i don't so, think so either you know like i know the 90s it was a different game it was more physical but check the athletes for all sports. For yeah, all the, sports. One, 
the one thing that I'm thinking about is like, how about we check in with these 90s players and see how they're doing now? Because if they were playing through injuries, I'm pretty sure they have lingering issues or chronic issues that probably would have lasted a long time. And I think the medical staff now, they're looking at longevity more than can they play tomorrow? Can they play for playoffs? Like it's much it's much more than that instead of like what Stan Van Gundy is saying. And I know that like he's an old head and like I'm I'm agreeing with like the whole 90s thing too. Like I like physical basketball. I like when all the superstars play all the time. I like when Kobe mentions like, hey, what about that one family that saved up all their money to watch me on this one day and I take rest? Like I'm I'm agreeing with that as well. But at the same time, like JJ was saying, they jump higher, faster. The game is at a much different pace. And even though your muscles are bigger, maybe like, I don't know, the ligaments in your knee yeah. are the ligament, same, man. you know? That's yeah. very true. Like you can't make that stronger, you know? But yeah. anyway, we're going to take it to our uh, our sponsor here. And we're, t- we're going to take a short little break. Hold up. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57 and for the NFL Divisional Round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Wow. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Wow. Okay, we're going to talk about John Wall here. <laughs> and I really wanted to ask you guys this one because he talked about basically when he got signed to the Rockets and he only really spent like 18 months there. He did not have fond memories from there. And and it started from the very beginning. He said that it was trash, beyond trash. And he said, when I was going there and I thought James was going to be there, he basically hit him, hit him up on his flight and he was like hey what's up i'm about to land and he texted james harden and he said well i'm on my way to atlanta to go to little baby's birthday do you want to go on a jet with me <laughs> first we'll we'll go from there what do you guys think of john wall's first interaction with james harden Maybe Harden thought he was getting traded to Atlanta and just figured he would take an early flight. <laughs> um, if I remember right, around the time Wall got traded to Houston, Harden was just about ready to get the hell out of Houston, right? Himself? Yep. So clearly he wasn't committed. He didn't care. We saw how he, what kind of shape he came in that season. I distinctly remember one particular highlight of him throwing a full court pass that ended up in like the third row to wall ironically so i think that tells you where harden's head was i mean it was all kidding aside it was nice enough for him to invite wall to join him for the birthday party but (laughs) i think i think wall was just if i remember right he was traded there for was it westbrook yes yeah so he had no say like he just ended up there and 
just had to go kind of do his thing. So I'm assuming, and based on what he said, by the time he got there, he already knew that this was going nowhere fast. So that's the only way I could read this when I see it. Yeah, I don't know, Sammy. I'm like, I don't know if John Wall's being super sensitive about this whole issue because if you're on a flight and then you text your new teammate and they already have plans, especially going to a rapper's birthday, I don't know if John Wall expects his teammate to stay behind, even with prior engagements. That's a good point. Yeah, so, that's a that's a good point. Like, are you are you are you supposed to drop everything that you're doing? At least he invited him. Yeah. Like, if you guys were my new teammates, but hey, I'm gonna go ahead and watch the divisional round of my football team. I love you. I love you two to death. But sorry, I'm gonna watch the football game. <laughs> Just saying. You that would be a 3.30 kickoff on Sunday for all of you Niner fans. <laughs> there you go. You guys know that. I love you, but I ain't missing my football game. And Sammy, I know you're not. And Jun, I know you're not. So Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys about this next one. John Wall was talking about Jalen Green and um, Kevin Porter Jr. And he said, this poop y'all getting away with here, as in with the Rockets, if you go to any other teams... You would get, you'd basically be out of the league. You wouldn't play. I'm trying to explain it to them because they think it's sweet. I'm like, if you ever get traded and go somewhere else, you're going to be like, this blank was right. Oh my goodness. What do you guys think about John Wall's like a little insider info of Jalen Green and KPJ? <sighs> Sammy, I hate to say this, man, but I think John Wall's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, because when I do watch Jalen Green and, you know, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., they don't play team basketball. They don't play defense. It's all about the highlights. It's all about me first basketball. And granted, like, I know that they're a very young team with this huge amount of draft picks and young players, but. They got to play right, and I know we're going to talk about this later, but that's why you need veterans on the team. You know? Yep, that's exactly where I am, too. I was actually just looking at their roster. Outside of poor Boban, who got stuck there and is not playing. Oh. Please, Emotional hashtag free Boban. Please, free Boban. <laughs> Let's get him back to Philly so he can hang out with Tobias Harris. Um, and then Eric Gordon, who earlier this year made it abundantly clear that he is ready to get out of Houston. Yeah. There are no veterans on that team. There's no one teaching these kids the NBA life, basically. Like, they're just kind of figuring it out, and they've got some bad habits. I mean, the talent on this team is pretty clear. KPJ is a good player. Jalen Green's solid. Shangun, I don't know if you guys have seen him lately, but he's been going nuts the last few weeks. Um... Put up like 33 and 15 a couple days ago and then put up 28 and I think 10 against the Lakers a couple nights ago. But it speaks to it that I know they're rebuilding, but this team, I want to say they're like 10 and 31 or 10 and 32. So he's, Wall's got to be right in some way. And if, if you're the GM in Houston, you've got to bring in just a couple guys who can kind of show these kids the ropes and help them harness their talent. Because we hear these stories over and over about these young, super talented players who just had that one guy in the locker room that kind of helped them out. 
Yeah. You know, and that that player is not in Houston right now. It's like we said, it's not Eric Gordon. So you just got to figure out who that guy is. You overpay him if you need to. I mean, they've got no one on this team. If you take Gordon's salary out, no one on the current roster makes more than $8 million, which in today's NBA is insane. So you have the cap room to overpay someone for a year or two. But you got to get some veterans in this place. I I agree with you, Jay. I think John Wall is actually... He's right on this. They they need to bring somebody in, and I hate to say this, no offense, John Wall, but you haven't been right about a ton this season. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, look look at the Golden State Warriors. Okay, the Warriors aren't doing very well right now, and their young players are kind of struggling. But at least they have like veteran mentorship, even in Andre Iguodala, which I'm pretty sure he's only played like maybe five games over the past like year and a half, but he's there. Mm-hmm. all the time available talking to the young guys doing all that stuff and it's super disappointing too for Jalen Green and KPJ because they are so much fun to watch when they're good they are really good mm-hmm. and I hope that they get it right because this Houston Rockets team like if you if you put on NBA 2K they're like a lot of fun you know what I mean but they just gotta get the mental stuff right um but I'm going to take us to our next topic here. DeJounte Murray was recently on All The Smoke podcast, and he was talking about basically his time in San Antonio, and he had this to say. I started growing. First year goes by, thrown into the fire in the playoffs versus the Rockets. Then my second year, they see I come back, obviously stronger, better. That was the year I took the job from Tony Parker. Greg Popovich brought us into the office and he told Tony, Tony ain't like that. I know he didn't like it because if he liked it, he would have mentored me the way he should have. He wouldn't have went to Charlotte. He would have stayed right here. It's not a tumor. What do you guys think of what DeJounte Murray said about Tony Parker here? Sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. Depending on how accurate you think this is, I mean, what else is there to say? If I remember right, Parker went to Charlotte for like a year for five mil. I don't think he started there. I think someone else was the starting point guard there that year he was there. Ooh. If I remember right, my my historical perspective, this might be wrong because it's one of those things where it's hard to see a specific player in a different jersey. Like you don't remember it the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I forgot it until he said it on this podcast. I Yeah, I don't think he was the starter there. So if I'm right about that and he made a lateral move to go back up somewhere else, then clearly he was upset about something. So I guess this is what it was. But I believe he was like 35, 36 at that point in his career. Not the same guy. So it sounds right. But we've also known Murray from what we've seen going all the way back to the summer with Paolo Bancaro to be a little bit petty. Maybe they're both a little sensitive on this one. What do you think, Jay? I agree with you, man. Like, it's all about communication. Did you ever ask Tony Parker if, you know, for that mentorship? Right. Is it his responsibility? I mean, it's expected, but is it his responsibility? I'm glad that you mentioned that contract, Sammy, because Tony Parker wouldn't have got that contract with the Spurs. So you can't hate on a man I know some people do but are you gonna really hate on Tony Parker to maximize his income when he's already when he was already past his prime I know people yeah. wanted him to retire as a spur but at the end of the day you gotta support your family right. you gotta support Eva Longoria 
Yeah. Even though she's richer than him. <laughs> so not even gonna. I'm not even gonna touch that one, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I, I'm, I'm all like in. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, Sammy. But I've seen about Marie and how petty he is. It just seems like, was this even necessary to even say? Right. Like, are you yeah. blaming your troubles on Tony Parker? That's it's not that's, a really adult thing to do, man. That's where I'm. That's where I'm at. Where like, if Dejounte Murray was still a spur, and if it happened recently, I'd be like, okay, I see where this is sort of like coming from. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But this is like so long ago. Like, why is like Tony Parker catching like heat from like years ago? You know what I mean? It's kind of strange. And also, like, I'm I'm agreeing with JJ here, where if I have the opportunity to make more money elsewhere. I probably would do it, you know? So you can't really blame the man. But on the same topic here, Jalen Rose was talking about veteran players in the league. And he said, what the league has done is that they minimize the roles of veterans because when the team is tanking, they're doing two things. They're not playing vets and they're not signing the vets that can nurture the young players on how to behave professionally. We kind of talked about this in a couple of the past topics. What do you guys think about Jalen Rose bringing this up? I mean, let's let's take a look around because I know we, like you said, we just talked about this with Houston. I was curious about this, so I just wanted to look at some other squads. And I'm thinking of organizations that we consider good organizations. So Golden State, you guys touched on earlier. I'm thinking Miami with Udonis Haslam. Never plays anymore. They resign yeah. him every year. And everyone jokes about it, but clearly he adds something valuable to that locker room, right? Uh, Let's see, Boston? Boston has Al Horford. Yeah, Boston's got Horford and a few other guys that are a little bit older now um, also. So very veteran squad with their young guys. Even if I remember correctly, just looking at like some really young teams that I think are making the right moves. OKC has has a couple of guys that are a little older, like maybe not, you know, star players, but like Mike Muscala has been in the league for eight, nine years. He's 30, 31. He's been around. Uh, Kenrich Williams has been in the league for five, six years. Like these are guys who at least know the grind and, you know, and so you can't just put 10 or 11, 20 year olds on a team. It's just not going to work. Like if any of us fresh out of college started jobs right and there was no one around to help show us the ropes like professional sports or not we'd all struggle so why wouldn't it be the same way in a professional league where in addition to the pressures of your job you're making more money than you've ever seen in your life and you're on the road half the time that part's just as valuable for these players as the actual encore part of it so it does seem like it's happening with certain teams more than others but it also seems to be reflective to me of the organizations that you would consider not as well run seem to be the ones more guilty of this. That's how I read this personally. So I'm in agreement with Rose. Like that's kind of what I'm seeing looking around the league too. Yeah, the the great teams, as you said, Sammy, they do have veteran players. I think it's the winning teams, and I think it that coincides with the best run teams are the winning teams. They're gonna get the the vet players, and those vet players are usually on the vet minimum too. So they mm-hmm. want not only the talent, but the structure that the veterans do have. As for the other teams, like for example, the Rockets that we just discussed about, the Rockets don't really have an incentive. You know, if I'm gonna play devil's advocate, there's no incentive to sign a veteran other than 
of course what we talked about which is like a, a good influence on the the youth which is why you want to sign them but from a from a front office perspective and they're thinking like business this investment doesn't have much potential because you know the cap yeah you already know the return where if you sign a, a younger player you don't know their their ceiling so in terms of their risk it's low risk maybe high reward when signing um a younger player but with the vet like what i'm saying you already know the return on investment mm-hmm. but you're ab- absolutely right i i do see that the best teams have more veteran players and it stabilizes the core yeah. the it stabilizes the roster and there was an example i was thinking of there that wasn't popping in my head and when you were chatting it came to me and now that's memphis Mm-hmm. People forget how young that team is, right? Most of that team is anywhere from 20 to 26, but yeah. then Steven, Steven Adams. Adams is there. Yeah. And even though I know he's been hurt this year, Danny Green is there. And Danny Green's been in the league for a decade or more at this point. Like, this is the off-court influence that I think we will truly never really know unless you're really deep in and you're actually in the media, like where you're in the locker rooms and you're seeing this stuff. I don't think that stuff can be understated. And you look at Memphis and if there's anything going on behind the scenes, we never hear about it because they're so well run now. And I'm sure those two guys are a big part of it now, particularly Steven Adams. Yeah, and this is why, like, a big reason why I think Memphis, they're like true title contenders this year. Like, they are looking as real as any team, like, currently, you know? With, like, a lot of disparity, like, around the league. It looks like they're sixth in the, they're sixth overall in offensive rating and they're number one on defensive rating. But maybe we'll see more veterans come into play, but that's actually all we have time for today. JJ, I want to thank you for being on, man. Hey, shout out to our boy, uh, John, and thank you, listeners. Yeah, shout out to John. And of course, Sammy, thanks for being on. Always good to be here, man. Thanks as always for, uh, for hosting for us. Shout out to our video producer, RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All-NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter, at Clinic All-NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All-NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.